Welcome to Team Perry's Step Out of Line podcast, featuring co-hosts Perry and Lori Finkelstein. Together, they explore, meet, and share inspirational stories with guests who have made a positive impact in today's world. This podcast resonates with our hope to make this world a better place one step at a time through love, acceptance, and uplifting conversations. I think I've always had to step out of line just because uh, I never fit uh, any of the norms that I was supposed to fit in life. You know, I was a short white Jewish kid and then uh, wanted to be a professional basketball player. So, uh, you know, I never had to uh, follow the norm there because no one thought I could do what eventually I became to be. And uh, even when I stepped into a different space business-wise and like production, like, you know, you want to do that? You can't do that. So, you know, all those things have been such a great way for me to always be open and receptive to really grow and step into the space of the things that I wanted to become and be. How old were you when you knew you wanted to be a, a basketball player and who was your role model? Oh, uh, Michael Jordan, you know, it was the nineties kid. So I got to grow with Michael Jordan and I probably tried to emulate him way too much in the competitive edge and the competitive side. Cause I just was able to, we used to have these VHS tapes and for people who don't know what VHSs are, there are these things that you used to play movies and film on. And I'd watch all these things. And I just started studying them like crazy. Uh, when I was like four or five years old, this guy is the most competitive and he wants to do and be the best. And he was, and is the best. I got to do what he does. And if I'm able to do that, there are things I can take away and be good at that. I kind of understand I was doing that then now, but I just, I just remember it like it was yesterday, just watching those VHS tapes, hearing the stories about how crazy competitive he was. And, you know, that really drove me, and, uh, you know, from talking with people who watched me play growing up to now, you know, my, I always just have the heart right on my sleeve and my passion really shows. And I think I've been able to carry that straight over to everything I do. So I really enjoy it. And you went to Syracuse for undergraduate and you played ball there. And then afterwards you presented with the opportunity to go to Israel and play ball. Did you get dual citizenship? I went to make Aliyah so I could become, because uh, there would just be as a business wise, be, there'd be more opportunity to sign as an Israeli player, but you can also sign as an American player, but there's more roster spots. So I went with that process to start. Um, I was only there for like a month, maybe two months different contract disputes. So I was already went to Canada next for another basketball professional job. So there was a lot of quick bouncing around and traveling and playing in Syracuse was like, you know, I got to experience what it's like to be a rock star, you know, playing at the, that place with, you know, 30,000 people who probably care and breathe, breathe about Syracuse basketball more than some of us do as players. And so it's a really cool opportunity to uh, represent people in that way. And, uh, you know, have people, but you represent you and uh have your back as a as an athlete it's really it's a really unique experience and i'm really grateful for it you were able to travel the world you were in kuwait and you were teaching kids how to play basketball in like a, a clinic basketball enabled you to do all of this and to live out your dream of, of traveling and and teaching and learning i think a lot of people in the travel community digital nomads or um, writers and creators in the space, you know, they really see traveling as a privilege. And, you know, I don't think enough Americans know what it's like to have a passport where you can kind of go anywhere, speak English almost everywhere and be open 
and people are accepting and warming wherever you go. In Kuwait, you know, I kind of wanted to go there because um, in the Arab, the Arab world comparative to what you grow up and learn in the United States is only one image you have sometimes of you know other people in the Middle East. So um, that was a really great rewarding and growth experience to go and live there and work there. It was great to kind of make the segue out of playing professionally and I was coaching there. But yeah, I, once I got the travel bug, when I made my first trip before I went to play professional in Europe, it kind of been like, okay, this traveling thing's a lot of fun, being able to really uh, enjoy the beauty that planet Earth has to offer, whether that's the people on it, they're all nice, the people in the world are nice, and it's just a beautiful planet to uh, travel, explore, and spend your time while you're alive to, uh, to see and do. You can go explore the world, get the opportunity to take a job in a different country doing things that you might enjoy or want to learn to do. I can't advise people to do that more. How did you segue from basketball to everything that you do with your production company? I left Kuwait and trying to figure out what I was going to do next in life. Had to have, I ruptured my kidney in a basketball game there, so I couldn't really play and do stuff anymore too. So I had to get surgery here, get that taken care of, and then kind of figure out what I wanted to do next. Doing anything new when you have to step out of line is you have to go from being like the top 1% of your skill or your trait, and then you have to lower yourself down to being like, you have to, you know, your ego has to completely surrender because now you're like a regular, you're like a human again, and you gotta learn the basis of your new skill and trait. So it was very challenging. It was very, uh, you know, scary in the sense that, you know, you want quick action and response and results and they don't happen like that. A lot of slip ups, a lot of blunders. Um, but the first one on the bus podcast and on the bus productions um, was great. I had this idea of I'm the bus driver and I want this show and I got one of my good friends to join the show and company with me. And we ended up actually buying a school bus and raising money on a Kickstarter and driving it to South America and creating our own TV show out of that. So, you know, kind of like- me so not why not? Af- <laughs> why not, not, not being afraid to step into new roles and responsibilities. Yeah, it's definitely taken a toll on my um, uh, physical, mental, and emotional side. But, you know, getting to learn the challenges hands-on is a, uh, is an experience sometimes you can't emulate or learn in school or even as a uh, intern. So getting to do it for yourself and manage other people and work with other people and doing it in a crazy environment like that was such a cool experience. And um, after on the bus, I just pivoted into bus driver productions on my own. And um, it became like a way to, all the skills and traits I'd learned over the two or three years with on the bus to start um, selling my skills to other people. So I got to, I probably created over a thousand podcast shows in the past, like, uh, four years since I did on the bus, five years, maybe, uh, I've gotten to work with a lot of cool people, worked for a lot of companies, uh, made a lot of branded content, whether it's for, um, Salvation Army, Al Jazeera plus Christmas tree companies, news companies, and it's taken me all around the world as well. So you know, everything's kind of been a vehicle to uh, getting to learn, getting to interact with people doing really cool things. And uh, it's kind of like your re-education process. You can't want to go to school, but, you know, if you can learn from people around you and the world around you um, with adding value to those people's 
stories or journeys or whatever it is they do. It's, it's made life and my job always exciting. Integrity wise for me, like, you know, I don't want to overpromise what I can't deliver. So I've taken a step back from being a yes man and, and trying to do all these things. So I only promise a certain skill set and a certain product. And um, I also just want to make sure I can really connect with the individual, the company or the brand, whoever we're working with, so I can really project and relay their message. And I really think that's why people might hire me for doing whatever it is they want to do creatively, because I'm going to be a hard worker, but also I'm going to try and really understand who they are, what their product is or what their mission is. So we can really let people see and know the message they're trying to convey. When Perry first wanted to start her podcast and she didn't know anything, just the words that you gave to her enabled her to look further and to figure out how to do it on her own. I forget, you know, what, uh, the impact you can have with somebody and for somebody. But also I do know that because, you know, I've had so many people in my life who wanted to take the time because they saw something in me or, um, you know, they just stop to show that they care. And I think that's something, you know, if we claim to be living in such an abundant country and such an abundant life that we all have to support, to share and to donate, uh, whether that's time or money. I mean, because, you know, what else is it for if you're not going to use it and share it? whatever is the message, money, um, and your time. It's, it's would make the world a real not, not nicer place. It could be the coach in you or the fact that you're a team player. What would be your favorite project that you've worked on, being that you've had such a diverse amount of clients and people that you work with? I'm really loving the personal projects I'm doing. Um, and we're putting together these, like just recreating a music video, like a culmination of the content that I shoot throughout the year. Um, I did also, in terms of like other projects I like, then I've gotten a few like more like permissions and availability to do them, is there's this French production company called Circle, C-E-R-C-L-E, and they do these really cool uh, electronic music sets and performances like around the world, like from very exotic locations. They get like really tough permits like to do a music like uh, set right under the Great Pyramid of Giza. And they got four or five, like full production company, amazing things. And I was talking with a music label, uh, Dirty Bird in California, and they reached out to me during the pandemic um, to shoot three of those sets for their artists. And so I kind of got to recreate one or two of my own um, in California. And it was like some mansion, the Hollywood Hills, and so it's a drone, the lights and all the cool stuff. So. Getting to do that was like really cool because, you know, it's not necessarily you have to copy what somebody's doing or come up with the most unique original thing because it's really, really hard to do. But you can take some something cool that someone's doing and make it make it from yourself and give your own stamp on it. So doing that was a lot of fun. And I'm hoping to uh, shoot some more of those while I'm here in Florida, like in the middle of the Everglades or something or on a some small little patch of sand in like uh, the Bahamas or Bimini and just place a, a performer there and just get all the cameras going and see what we can make.